I just started recording, so welcome back to episode 55, y'all. Welcome back. <laughs> hey, now. I wish I could see Kiana's face, like. I was like, what, what the hell? <laughs> I just realized I was, like, recording. <laughs> Didn't even say anything. That's all right. Well, here we are. Here hey, we are. Hey, guys, it's Courtney. Hey, it's Kiana. Oh, they don't know who it is this time, I huh? know. <laughs> I was like, let me go back. Let me go back. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't need to be that aggressive every time. That's okay. Well, welcome back, guys. We're happy to be here. We are, Kiana. Let's pass the mimosa. I'm starting with you. Um, <laughs> tell we us what you're ahead. drinking. So, remember when I told you that my palate was changing some and that mm-hmm. I needed something just a little bit drier, but not Merlot dry? Mall back. Okay. It was okay. perfect. It was right between the Cabernet and the Merlot, mm-hmm. and it is satisfying that dry um, quench that I've been having. So that's what I'm drinking right now because it is. What time is it? It's four o'clock in London. Four o'clock in London? Oh, I was like, wait, yes, what time is o'clock. it here? Okay, <clears throat> Kiana's in London, y'all. Where bougie ass? I'm just joking. I, I'm just working and being bougie. right, <laughs> right, a little bit of both. <laughs> Get you a girl that can do both. Um, well, that's what's up. Yeah, Malbec is still dry for me. Real too dry? Too dry. Like Now it tastes like cab to me. I remember I drank it a couple times on the episode when we were recording. I was like, yeah, all I need is one of this because sis will be. Oh, yeah. Sis will be good. Well, yeah, It puts me under. It puts me to sleep, which is what I need to like ease my body down because I think I don't know. Mentally, I'm still in the States. So. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. So what about you? What are you drinking? I am drinking good old faithful Canada Dry. Ain't nothing <laughs> wrong with that. You sick, sis? <laughs> <clears throat> I have been a little congested. My sinuses have been acting up lately. Um, this might be a little TMI, but you know when you get that drainage? Yeah. And then it kind of makes you a little nauseous. So I got my Canada Drive for that reason. I'm not like actually sick, but that drainage has been right. Has not been kind to me. Speaking <laughs> of which, did you see the Canada yes. Drive? Yes. And I'm and I'm bothered because whoever <laughs> said that shit didn't work, I have been thriving this they, week. Thank God to they Canada said, Drive. They said, "But did you lay down and not move? Are you watching the prices right? And Are you watching?" I felt that one in my. <laughs> Spirit, okay. I felt that one in my spirit, and the one where they were like, "Um, it's probably because you're on that goddamn phone." <laughs> I was like, yeah, put your phone down. Let's talk about did it work? Oh my goodness, black people, yo, the culture is so real and it's so prevalent everywhere I go. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. <clears throat> my my next favorite was um. The Schweppes and the Soldier Boy voice. I was like, who even? I didn't even know that was still in existence. Oh my goodness. Who gets that? And I think the last one that I was talking about was, I think they were like, so did you, but did you, um, did you finish the sleeve of those saltine crackers? <laughs> yes, <you know>? yes. <laughs> Hand in hand. You're not going you to come on all of them to Al Gore's internet disrespecting ginger ale like that. You're just Don't not. You're don't not. do it. We live and die by ginger ale. Actually, we survive. We live off ginger ale. We, we don't die. We survive from ginger ale. I wonder if y'all gonna be able to hear this. 
Nope. It's getting a little flat. <laughs> and y'all, just a side note, Mm-mm. I love flat pop. I think I've told y'all that before. It's nothing like some flat pop. It's Soda. juice. You have told told them this before because this is where I went on my <laughs> rant. Like that's juice. <laughs> that's <laughs> not pop. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling better and Thank that you. you have, you know, the the black ancestors are, you know, going through your veins as you drink the Canada exactly, Dry. Exactly. I ain't have to go to the doctor. Mm-mm. Like, no, we don't do that. We don't got money for that. Drink ginger ale, get you some saltines, and lay down and watch prices right. You know what's up. God will heal you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay. <clears throat> well, I'm trying to think. Was I having this conversation or were you having this conversation? I know we have all had this conversation at some point. Okay. Oh, I'm off. Let me back up. Go ahead and share the good news. <laughs> okay, I got you. So the good news um, this week is coming from our friend who we think is a friend of the show by name of Amanda Seals. Okay. And it is, I'm not hostile, I'm passionate. You know right. it. You know it. I think this is this is an easy one this week. I got it. I got this right here. Um, so let's circle right. back to this conversation that I was having or you was having or they was having. We have all had because we've we've been there. Right. We've been there. So yeah, let's circle back. Go ahead and kick us off. <clears throat> so The reason why I chose that quote for the week was because we wanted to address addressing being gaslit. Um, There's so many circumstances that um, this happens to us. And I think a lot of people don't really know what to call it or know how to recognize it when it's happening. So we just wanted to take some, some time to really explore what it is and how to respond to being gaslit. And so I pulled up a definition, Courtney. Okay. So the definition of gaslight means to manipulate someone by psychological means into doubting their own sanity. Has that ever happened to you before? So I want to backtrack for a second of where that came from because I had gotten the context and I believe it was a movie and I can't remember, I can't remember if the name of the movie was actually like gaslighting or something like that Uh but it came from essentially this is not verbatim so don't quote me go look it up this is this is what i've heard i need to check (laughs) but in the movie the husband was like literally lighting the gas stove yeah and telling his wife that he wasn't essentially and she's Uh... like you trying to like you make and it was dry it literally drove her crazy yeah so you're trying to make me feel like I'm crazy when I see right here what's going on. So I wanted to give that context in addition to the definition. To I think that's definition. good because I think some people, they hear a definition, but sometimes they're like, okay, but in theory or in practice, right, what, like, what does that really does mean? That mean? <laughs> or how does that happen to me on a day-to-day basis? And personally, it's one of my, it's one of my pet peeves. It is one of my, it it is a humongous pet peeve for me to be gaslit any type of situation because I pride myself on my intelligence and Mm -hmm. I pride myself um, on honesty. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like 
when you manipulate somebody, you're dishonest and you, you question their intelligence, which I'm not stupid and I do deserve the truth. So I'm, I'm a fan of this topic just because I think a lot, a lot more women, especially women, need to understand what that means because our sanity is questioned all the time. Exactly. You know, you often hear, she crazy. You know, she tripping. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those different things. And a lot mm. of the time, it's a reaction from an action, you know, you didn't initiate that action. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know you wanted to dive into this. Wherever you want to start, let's just go right into it. So I guess my first question is um, for you, in what ways has gaslighting shown up in your life? And <clears throat> was it ever a point of like, where you fell prey to that? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I feel like it started off early in my life, especially growing up in a black household. My mom was mm. black, my daddy's black. And, you know, I think that dynamic between black children and black parents, that really can start the root of gaslighting. You know what I mean? So even from the point where you are supposed to be seen and not heard, and when you do um, vocalize something that's going on with you as a kid, um, Sometimes it's ignored, sometimes it's dismissed, and I feel like that does gaslight kids. And for me, I was always a very vocal kid, and, you know, stay in a child's place, speak on being spoken to. Mm -hmm. I felt like that really sparked that, because I felt like my feelings were valid, and because you were the adult, they were dismissed often. Gotcha. Um, And then later on in my life, you know, as I progressed and I was an adult, I feel as though it's happened in work. You know what I mean? Especially mm-hmm. with my white counterparts mm-hmm. being gaslit in terms of my experiences. Especially when I told you guys I had, um, you know, a, a racial incident that happened to me when I was working um, initially in Tennessee. Not the second time mm-hmm. <laughs> in Tennessee, but the first time that I've lived in Tennessee. I'm glad that I got those two. You know, I can differentiate between yeah. the two. Yeah, right. you know I mean? first time, second mm-hmm. time. But um, that first testament, to me there. First testament. Old testament, new testament. Girl, speak on it. Speak on it. And then, of course, in my romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. I feel as though, um, you know, whenever you want to address your emotions, oftentimes I feel like there isn't necessarily a safe foundation for a lot of people to express their emotions in certain relationships. Not saying all relationships are like that. There are safe spaces in relationships. But usually when you're being gaslit, you really are a little you tread a little bit lighter when you want to talk about your emotions. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're a little, if you're a little, if you experience a little discomfort when you want to talk about your feelings, it's oftentimes because that partner has been dismissive of those feelings. And so those are just some of the ways that I've been gaslit. I really try to um, be cognizant of those red flags now because I know exactly what it means. I didn't know that there was a word for it. At first I was like, y'all playing with me. Y'all trying me. You, you, you tempting me, you doing all these different things. And now that there's an actual word for it, a definition for it, um, it makes me feel more confident to address it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And I think you brought up a good, a really good point for just issues in general. You can't address what you can't define. Right. Um, And so I think that's what, because I feel like this has a has the potential, gaslighting has the potential to just be this buzzword, and mm-hmm. which is another reason why I wanted to provide that context of that movie, because it's like a really old movie. <clears throat> but that's why I wanted to provide that context, because 
you have to be able to clearly define something and what it is and not something uh-huh. that you're just perceiving it to be. I'm very like I'm very big on like, you know, let's let's hit let's hit Webster real quick. Right. <laughs> let's get to the real definition and then go back and work, you know, work from the definition to address something because we could possibly be talking about two different things. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's really important what you said there. Um, it's easier to uh, understand, address, and then navigate something when you can put a definition to it. For me, I agree, and I actually didn't think about this until um, you said it. I feel like I did experience it in childhood as well, not necessarily in the form of like you know staying a child's place because some of that yeah. I, I agree with, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But just in this idea, just just acknowledging my own family dynamics where it was just like, you're not about to see her and make me believe something that I am bit like I am bearing witness to and you're trying yeah. to tell me otherwise, but I know your actions are showing me exactly what it is. Um and so yeah, thank you for sharing that because I'm like Again, now I have I have a word to put to it. Um, yes, yeah. and, and that's exactly what was going on. It was manipulation. It was gaslighting. It was dismissive. It was all of those things. Um, <laughs> you know, back then I probably would have just called it bullshit. But, <laughs> don't but, bullshit me, right? That's yeah, don't bullshit, don't bullshit me. me. Like you trying to you trying to put the blinders over my eyes, and I'm like, no, like. I'm yeah. standing right here. I'm like I said, I'm bearing witness to this. So like, you're not about to get one over on me. And it's so interesting to know that that's how I was as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I got older, also seeing it in like romantic relationships, like or even friendships where yeah. I did let some shit slide, a uh, lot, you know, just slide by, like that like where did that switch occur where we're just like okay i wasn't putting up with that that bs then right but in a friendship in a romantic relationship it's like oh but that's not really what they meant or i'm just making that stuff up you know what i mean right that type of thing um for me though my biggest probably my second biggest frustration or it might be tied with when men or partners do it in relationships it's just Mm -hmm. society in general um particularly with white people yeah and addressing microaggressions and folks being like well what do you mean that's not what she said that's not what she meant oh she would never that's not racist right like oh they would never i know them and it's just like y'all not about to make me sit here and think i'm crazy a racist Mm -hmm. is a racist is a racist Sunday through Saturday. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it don't change. It does not change. Um, so I would say that, you know, being tied with romantic relationships is probably my biggest frustration because, and I, I found myself like disengaging in like social media platforms uh-huh. in those topics because folks will, folks love to have an opinion. Yeah. Folks Everybody love to one. have an opinion. Everybody does have one, and you you are absolutely entitled to it, but I don't have to bear witness to it. 
especially Amen. when you're especially when you're gaslighting and doing things of that nature. I'm just like, I'm not gonna go back and forth with you because you refuse to see the fact. If all I'm right. presenting is stats, experience based off, you know, based off of my own experience, and you're trying to challenge me with, well, they probably don't, or this might not. We don't know if this happened. The fuck we don't. And at that point, it's just somebody <clears throat> arguing off of ignorance. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, it's, it's not fact-based at all. It's just based off your interpretation. But it's off of ignorance and privilege because you can. True. Because they can. They, they don't have to acknowledge anything else. That is the life that they live. Um, and that's the life that they have been, um, that's been afforded to them. Mm-hmm. They don't have to think about anything or anybody else. You know, that raised a good point for me because I often tell people that um, you don't have the power to tell someone how you made them feel. You don't have the right to tell somebody how you made them feel. And so when they tell you um, that their emotions are a byproduct of your actions, the only thing that you can do is take that into consideration and hopefully, you know, reconcile that and move forward. But you you can't say I didn't hurt you or I didn't offend you or I didn't gaslight you or I didn't manipulate you. Mm-hmm. If, if a person felt that way, they're, they are entitled to their own feelings. Mm-hmm. And then when I think about feelings, too, um, as a young kid, I was always told that I was dramatic. Um, mm. Even now in my adulthood, that I'm dramatic or emotional um, and things of that nature. You know, I really had to take a step back and... Um, revisit what that meant to me because I think that I was um, associating that with a negative connotation and for me when I have those I'm first off I'm a Pisces so I really operate in an emotional space a lot of the time which is a good thing it can be a bad thing just depends on how you navigate it but I also think that those emotions and that drama can be a cue for you feeling like you've been manipulated I feel like some people have different ways to exert when they are in harm's way my emotions are my trigger so when my emotions are heightened when you call that dramatic or when you call that emotions i mean when you call that emotional that is my body screaming that's something that's what i was gonna say right. your senses exactly that's my body screaming that there's something isn't right and so i really had to take a step back and really figure out what that meant to me because I think too often other people were defining it for me and defining it in a negative way mm-hmm. as though they can't deal with my emotions. And maybe you can't, but it's up to me to decide how I'm being alerted and that's how my body lets me know something is going on. Exactly. And so for all the dramatic people, all the emotional people, like that is your alarm system. You know, be cognizant of that and don't necessarily look at it as, you know, a negative attribute because. It's not that that is a defense mechanism mm-hmm. that that is your body alerting you. And mm-hmm. so stay in tune with that. You have to stay in tune with that. You do. I think, you know, I think that's like, you know, when people are like, listen to your instincts, you have them for uh-huh. a reason. Um, and it happens because you have experienced something else prior to that makes you go, this isn't right. I mean, that's why you have your senses, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I call it like your, your, your sixth sense, you know what I mean? Like you pick yeah. up on those things for a reason, um, for, you know, based off of past experiences. So like you said, like you have to be very in tune with that <clears throat> and something that I always, um, because there can be other factors. Sometimes it's not, you know, as simple as like, listen to your instincts because sometimes okay. it is. Sometimes it is anxiety. Yeah. And I wish I would have saved this post. Um, 
it's essentially like the difference between like instinct and anxiety. Instinct might not yeah. be the right one, but anyway, my point in saying that is um, like you also have to use discernment too, because sometimes yeah. and be self aware. Sometimes we do go off the deep end, not in the sense of like you're crazy or you're being dramatic, but like, am I making? am I making something or putting something there that's not really there? You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, how do you use discernment to really be in tune with your instincts so you can call people on their BS when they are manipulating and gaslighting? Um, because you don't, you don't want to live in that place of anxiousness either. Right. You know, I just pulled up something that says, um, what is it? Nine ways to tell the difference between an instinct and anxiety. Yep. Um, and it says anxiety doesn't let up. Anxiety causes you to worry about the future. Anxiety causes feelings of uncertainty. Anxiety interferes with everyday life. Anxiety causes many prolonged symptoms. Um, and then your gut instincts can be tested and verified. Mm-hmm. And it also says your gut instincts are based in patterns, yeah, which is something that you said too. Um, but that that is good to know because sometimes you know you do have to have those conversations with yourself, like what what's reality here and what is your past your past trauma? Because right. sometimes we have trauma responses, and trauma responses can happen can happen very often can be triggered often, especially when those patterns start to reoccur. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I just, oops, I just found what I was talking about. I'm going to send it to you and I may um, just share it as a post for the episode. You know, I'll share it with you guys in terms of that difference. I found it, it was like a whole thread. Um, But I think that's important when we're identifying those moments. So again, going back to knowing what gaslighting is and knowing what manipulation is and what that looks like. Um, and then being able to properly identify those moments and creating some sort of self-awareness for you and the other person. That's true. And you know what? One thing that I found too was that I think it's healthy to reflect on your own when it comes to these situations. For instance, I think I ran into a situation where I shared something with some friends and everybody doesn't have the same emotional responses that you do just because it affects you in a certain way. And so, like we always say, you have to get in tune with yourself because if you listen to outside um, outside factors, they, they can they can sway you as well. Or they may not have those same triggers and may respond differently too. Right. So I think that this work is best done by yourself. You By yourself or with mm-hmm. a professional mm-hmm. who can help you work through them because oftentimes... For me, at least, I found that my friends were okay with people treating them like that. And I was just like, so what the fuck? Like, I'm telling you that this is happening. And y'all just like, girl, no, that's okay. It's always been this way. You've been, you, you've had a relationship with this person for years. No, dog, I don't care what it is. So Mm -hmm. you also have to understand that everybody doesn't have the same threshold that you do. Exactly. Because some people (laughs) accept more, some people accept less. Everybody's just different. So, and and everybody's negotiables and non-negotiables are not the same exactly it's important to you that you're like no i would never settle for that i would never put up with that that's not the case with somebody else and that's not to say that one is right or wrong 
Right. You just have to acknowledge that it's a difference. And that goes back to those things of like, I almost said this as if y'all knew about it, but this is something that I've been um, speaking into my life for some time. It's like, you have to know, like with a particular situation, because I think we find ourselves in those positions a lot of times, especially with friends where it's just like, I keep having the same conversation with her and she ain't doing A, B, and C. Right. It's just like, you got to know where, you have to know when you it's necessary for you to redirect um, and maybe approach it in a different way or let it go and move on. And if you're letting it go and moving on, you really got to let it go and move on. And that's just going to be that. And and having that that honest conversation where it's like, sis, I love you. Um, you know, I got you on whatever. This conversation, you know, I feel like I just can't have with you anymore. Yeah. Like, I want to be here to support you. Know that you, you know, we can talk about whatever. But just know, like, I don't have anything else to contribute to this. <laughs> because I need to let you do... You know that this is a difference for us. I need to let you do what you need to do what's best for your situation. And that's sure. that. And you know what? I've actually started to incorporate a few things <clears> in <throat> conversations that I have with my friends. And especially when they are asking or just telling me a scenario and I, I respond, are you venting or do you, or do exactly. you want a response? How many because, times have I done that to you? I'll be like, yes, what you like, want me to do here? What you want, Kiana, <clears throat> do? <laughs> what you want? Because I'm going to just nine listen. Nine times out of ten, I'd be like, Courtney, just, just take it from me. Handle it, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just think that it's important for you just to listen to your voice. Listen to your the, the voices that you have and really understand who you are and where you want to go. Like you said, your negotiables and non-negotiables are very different from the next person. But I do want to ask you this. So, when being gas lit, how do you address it? Do you address it initially? Do you address it later? Do you address it at all? Like, how do you navigate someone gaslighting you? Now I address it in the moment. Um, and in the moment might not be like, oh, you said something and I responded. Mm-hmm. In the moment might be within 24 hours, something like that. Um, I say that because that's a huge change from... Um, where it may be, I'm not addressed it at all. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've acknowledged <clears throat> in myself where um, just from growing up, from in my childhood, where I was really attuned to what was happening um, and I knew that some manipulation was taking place and I wasn't mm-hmm. putting up with it to um, relationships <clears throat> One or, you know, one or two maybe, like, relationships that stand out where it was, like, I let it slide and I and I knew, like, I knew in my heart of yeah. heart and my gut instincts, but it's just, like, mm, I don't want to address it. And I think we kind of talked about this on the last episode, maybe, or maybe we were just having a conversation where, you know, <clears throat> women have a tendency not to want to address things for fear of losing that significant other. And Bye. I'm just, like... we were talking about it but I don't think it was on the show where I was just like you know I used to be a firm believer in and this was probably in my younger days and my more uh ruthless days where I'd be like and I say that because it was more so directed to someone who was dealing with me like don't ask no questions that you're not ready to hear the answer to Uh now I'm like ask all the motherfucking questions (laughs) because you need to know and I need to know um, so I've definitely been in those positions where I didn't say anything at all. 
um, and I would let it build up, and it would do uh-huh. it wouldn't do anything for me but cause anxiousness and anxiety, and it's just like you going back and forth, and then you're replaying. <clears throat> excuse me, the ginger ale apparently is not helping. All of these instances in your head, and you're holding on to those things, and then you wait for that moment, and to be like, "Well, remember back in July <laughs> when you yeah. said and you did." And all of this happened where it's just like, no, I needed to be better about addressing those things in the moment. And whatever comes from that situation is what comes. Like, I'm going to always approach you with respect, Um, you know, and I want to be able to communicate so that we can understand and comprehend each other. But if we're going to continue in that moment to still have that same type of behavior where if I'm trying to address it and you're still trying to gaslight me, I'm cutting it off. And that's some of the reasons why sometimes I wouldn't address things either is because I knew I knew it was going to come from that conversation. So I felt it pointless to uh-huh. cause stress for myself when I know it was going to end up in BS. Um, but I remember that next relationship yeah. or dating experience that I had. Um, he was a salesman. And it felt like he was trying to sell everything to me like in a in a relationship form um and i've and you know who this is and i've shared some of these things with you where it's just like he literally tried to do some things like you clearly weren't listening i know like i didn't say that and i was like yeah oh my gosh like either you really think i'm crazy or you were drunk and i was like i'm actually not (laughs) right (laughs) or you crazy I'm like, I'm actually not going to do this with you because we legit had this conversation yesterday. This is what you said. One of one of the top things that I always get from people, you got to remember the field that I work in, is that I'm mm-hmm. a really great listener. So yeah. I'm, <laughs> I don't, there like, I don't make stuff up. So I'm like, we had this conversation yesterday. You're not about to sit here and act like we didn't. Um, so however you want to spend this, like you can either come forward and like admit, and it, and it will be over like petty stuff, yeah, like petty stuff. And so I knew then, like, if you're going to do this with something small, I mean, it could be about literally the color, the color of pants that he had on the day before. And I'm like, okay, like you, you just lying now. You just lying. <laughs> for um, no reason. <clears throat> for no you reason. You don't even have to lie. You don't have to lie. Not about this. Or period. Or period. Or period. But again, if you're going to lie about something so small, I know you will lie about the bigger things. And so that yes. told me something. I'm clearly, we're no longer dating. Like You're not somebody that I'm going to proceed with because I saw it enough times and I addressed it enough times where I'm just like, you're not getting it. You don't want to change behavior. We're good. I think that's such a healthy way to date, though. For me, I feel like you see things, you move on, and then you just keep going. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people get stuck at that point where they just want, they see a red flag, and then they, they're they they're sitting there trying to make sense of the red flag and trying to fix that red flag when there are just more options. Girl, keep going. Don't and the thing stuck. is, you're trying to make sense by yourself and not exactly. have the conversation. And that exactly. was the balance for me because, and you know this too, I used to be a runner. So if something didn't sit right for, for me, I wouldn't necessarily communicate or say anything. And I would yeah. be right, but I would be out. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now I have that balance of we can have the conversation about it, 
But if we're going to continue to repeat these things, I'm going to be out. <laughs> you know, I think we should do an episode. And that's just a caveat. I think mm-hmm. we should do an episode on, um, on running. Because I, too, have recently discovered, girl, I will jet. You, well, you know this. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm good. See you later. Good day. But, no, that, that was all... That was all pretty much on par with I was gonna, with what I was going to say too. Um, I'm an internal processor, yeah. So I need time to process and then respond, especially when people I know who I love who've hurt me or I feel like they're gaslighting me. That hurts so much that I just I need a second. I need a second just to let the dust settle to really evaluate our relationship. I need to evaluate who you are. I need to evaluate the level of energy that I want to exert to this. I need to evaluate where I want this relationship to go. And that, for me, that is always the hardest part, especially when it's somebody you care about. When somebody decides to um, how do I say it? Like, take your kindness for weakness. Because yeah. I, I often think I'm, I'm a kind person, especially to my loved ones. But it, it's, it's in those moments where I just have to stop. And I'm just like, what the fuck just happened? They just mm-hmm. flipped the switch on me. Like, I thought we was one way, and now it's another way. And I didn't think that you were capable of doing this to me. So I just need, I need to be silent. Because if I'm silent, one, my tongue is deadly. As, as, beautiful as it can be it cuts in ways that i can't repair and i've done that to people before and i don't want to do that to anybody else unless mm-hmm. needed but exactly so i try to choose my words wisely so i really try to take that time to just sit back and process it um and then deciding on the level of energy that I want to give. Because I do think that not everything deserves my energy. And I also think you have to learn how to pick your battles. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have to assess whether this has been a pattern or a reoccurring pattern in terms of, is this your character? Because if this is your character, Come on. then I don't know if it's worth having this conversation, whether I'll be bothered with it or not. Because this is who you are. And I don't see this changing in you. So... I am also, remember, I think I spoke about this on the last um, podcast, and I just been telling you too, like, I'm just tired of educating people, and so if I see this as a recurring pattern for you, you have to at some point start to self-teach yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to, because I'm not going to keep being your your chopping block, your, your worksheet, your whatever it is that you decide to come to, to get whatever it is figured out and why you keep gaslighting folks, so... At that point, you either are going to have to teach yourself or teach yourself through my absence because I'm going to remove right, myself. Right. Um, and also, like you said, I think it's important for you to address in certain scenarios, especially like at work, you know, mm-hmm. when you need to address it right away. And not to ne- necessarily say you need to address it head on immediately, but maybe taking 24 hours to, you know, think about it, get that shit documented send it back to whoever um, told it to you. But I think that's important in terms of professional relationships and to sometimes romantic relationships to teach people how to treat you in building those relationships moving forward. So I really just think it's it's on a case-by-case basis. But I had to learn how to really do that because I used to be the person that would just flip out the handle, you're not going to do this to me, blah, blah, blah. And it was rooted in a lot of feelings. And I understand that sometimes it is hard for people to understand how you feel. Um, and you know how to effectively communicate that because you are really heightened at that moment. Mm-hmm. So that's just where I am with it. Just because I think I've been gaslit by so many people 
um, people who I love, people who I don't, people, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I just had to really take a step back and figure out how to navigate this because it's always chess and never checkers. Mm-hmm. And so you really got to understand what your next move is in order not to, you know, harm yourself in the process of another person harming themselves. Cause that's all mm-hmm. they are doing. There is, it's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. And, and they're self-sabotage. You can pull yourself into that. You never want to get caught in somebody else's crossfire and, and that war that they're having within themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also recognizing like not everybody can get the same level of grace. In HR, I say oftentimes, like, you can't manage, say you have a team of five, you can't manage all five of those people the exact same way. They have different needs, they respond to things differently. So to that point, like, when we're talking about addressing things, like, there may be some people that you can address it with where it's just like, you know what, this is worth having that conversation. We will be able to come back from this. There are other people where it's just like, I know they're going to continue to gaslight me. It's not worth putting my energy into this, and I need to move on. Um, So, yes. Shout out to you, because that's a lot of self-awareness. It's a lot of self-awareness and growth to be like, I got to know what role I'm playing in this, and not in the sense of, like, it's your fault, but how have I contributed to to this for myself? Like, what have have I continued to allow? Yeah. Yeah, I remember there was one time it happened with a friend, and I remember them wanting to revisit the conversation. Like, do you want to talk about this? And I was just like, I had to turn it in and was like, nah. Because at this point, you're a repeat offender. Like, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of hearing me, because I know me. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of me having sympathy for this anymore, because mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. So, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it. Deal with it. You made me feel that way, mm-hmm. and we don't have to discuss it any further. You know what's up. Because oftentimes, too, I'm a firm believer that there there is some ignorance, but I often believe that there are people who honestly know what they're doing. And if they know you and they say that they know you in the way that they do, they know how that's impacted you. Yeah. And the fact that they do know that, they knowingly manipulated you. Absolutely. Knowingly manipulated so you. So I know I that you want, will continue to do that. Exactly. I don't want to have to keep bringing this up to you. I don't want At to this that. point... There's so many humans in this world. I'm just such a firm believer in that. Like, there's so many humans in this world. And granted, the people who I love, they are irreplaceable and they are good people. But the ones who do need to be replaced, they are billions that can replace those slots. Mm-hmm. And God will bring them back into your life, trust me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes better than where they left. Oh, and what, than what left. So, you just, man, just stand up for yourself when, when you can, if you can. Yeah. Yeah. And you can. It just may be um, new to you, and so you just have to have to find the right tools and resources to allow you to do that in the way that you need to for yourself. Yep, that was good, Courtney. It was. We that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, we we spent um, a decent amount of time on this one. Now, I can't tell how much time actually and how <laughs> far we are into this episode. Um. But I think it's a good get, well, a good um, segue into the next topic. Too, it is. I think this topic goes hand in hand with the next topic, which is what we want to talk about in terms of um, disassociation of emotions between blacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times we feel, at least I can say this, not me. I'm going to speak for myself. Yeah. Oftentimes I feel as though um, 
Blacks that I've encountered can be really dismissive of others' emotions and in particular their own emotions. Mm -hmm. And for me, I started to do the work in terms of that because I was finding that I was a little bit emotionally distant in some of my relationships. Um, especially now, I I am dating. <laughs> Happily dating. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I noticed that there was a disconnect between me and, you know, my partner. And so there, there are a lot of things that I wanted to address, but specifically I wanted to address um, dismissive avoidant tendencies. And, you know, Courtney and I, we kind of talked about that, but um, have you heard of this before? Have you done any work around dismissive avoidant tendencies? So I have heard of it before. Um, and we're, and we're going to play back the conversation. So if you will, though, if you could still yeah. provide, you know, we're all about definitions on this episode, um, provide some definition and context of what that is. Yes, I'm getting it up right now. So I follow a lady by the name of, I can't pronounce it. So I follow someone on Instagram. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I followed someone on Instagram, and there was a post that listed out these characteristics, and it and they go as such, and it says, can appear very well put together and have an inflated sense of self, had to learn to rely on themselves for their own soothing and comfort, is often very respectful of other people's needs for privacy and space, often struggles to be vulnerable and intimate with others, check, check. <laughs> tends to dismiss needs in a relationship can get in touch with their emotions more easily when there are shared experiences can focus on others flaws as a way to maintain emotional distance and so when can I you read screenshot that, that and send it to me yeah I sure can okay and so when I read that um immediately I just had to go into the caption and so it says those who have strong dismissive avoidance tendencies often grew up with caregivers who were neglectful, not attuned to their needs um, in the majority of the time. Their parents would often discourage them from crying or having needs, which caused them to feel deeply unseen and rejected. They learned to suppress their needs for physical and emotional comfort and often develop an auto-regulating system. Having an auto-regulating system works fine when you live alone, but it makes it super challenging to have connected and mutual experiences of intimacy. As adults, those who resonate with this style tend to rely on mostly themselves and can have an inflated sense of self to cover up their deep fear of aloneness. They tend to be highly career-oriented and minimize the importance of close relationships. And so I want to stop it right there because I don't think all of these are necessarily true for me because a lot of this has stemmed from early on as, you know, in childhoods where they talked about, you know, parents being dismissive of emotions and things like that. But I don't feel like that happened to me until later on in my life, almost my college years, gotcha. high school to college years. So I don't completely um, identify with this, but I do identify with a lot of it. Okay. Um, and I'm sending that to you shortly. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I need I need to um because that's a lot. I need to be able to see that. I'm also not probably mm, I ain't gonna be able to do it. I need to move around. <laughs> so in the moment we got to take a break. Sorry that y'all have to hear this. But Okay, yeah. let's take a break. Um what was I gonna say? 
Oh, that's you. <laughs> I was like, what's happening here? Um, Did you really? Oh, you cut it off? No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. We still rolling. Okay. <laughs> yes. Sorry, y'all had to hear all of this. Um, but this is the ins and out of a show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you continue to start off. Like, I feel like you, you got questions you're going to hit us with. Yes. So for me, you know, really understanding where that emotional void was coming from and ultimately mm. how I was displaying it was really important to me because I am pretty much in tune with, I'm very in tune with other people, in tune with other people's needs, but in terms of my emotions and my emotional needs, sometimes I can be very dismissive of that. And okay. so I really thought it would be a good starting point to talk about the dis- disassociation of emotions with blacks because I don't feel as though every black person has necessarily felt this from a parent, but when you, if we give it some more context in terms of our upbringing in this country and our history, um, this has been prevalent in our community for a very long time, especially when you go back all the way into slavery, mm-hmm. where we couldn't cry and our needs weren't addressed. And so I feel like this has impacted us or anyone. Um, whether we have wanted it to or not, because it's rooted in our upbringing in America. Mm-hmm. So do you feel as though this has been displayed in your life or do you find that you have a disassociation with emotions or your own emotions or others' emotions? Is that something that you struggle with or something that you experience? Um, I would definitely say, <clears throat> because I, like you said, I think, I think this is just something that we... Number two. Number two. Go ahead. Um, get it, sis. I'm a pause for the drip. <laughs> Bigger bottles. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Y'all, they have these little personal bottles in London. Where they look like they're they look wine? like they're the personal bottles, but bigger than the Sutter Home ones. Have you seen like the yes. Sutter Home four packs? Right. They're they are a little bit bigger. Um, you get about. Two glasses out of this. Two, oh. maybe twenty. Oh. 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 Yeah. Um. So yes, I feel like I have bear witness to this and experienced it, and it has been me in some ways. I agree, not all the ways. Um. Primarily as part of our culture, like I don't think anybody ever told me, especially as a woman, which is interesting. Why I have operated this way sometimes and like not showing emotion. Uh huh. Um, I don't recall anybody ever telling me that, that I couldn't do that. Now I do believe, you know, black men and black boys definitely experience that. Like, don't cry, man up, you know, you know, those sorts of things. Um, I definitely get, I definitely feel like they get the, um, short end of the stick on that. But I also know that that's not something that I'm always comfortable doing in a sense of, I don't think I don't think everybody, you know, deserves to see me in that vulnerable space. Like I just don't share. I'm a I'm a depth, not breath person. Yeah. So um kind of going back to like not everybody gets the same level of grace. Not everybody gets all of me. Like the, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just don't get that off a of jump. And there are some people that are like that. Um, and that's okay. And it's not in the sense of like holding back, but Honestly, you're not like you haven't proven yourself deserving or worthy. 
So there are just some things and emotions are one of those things that I may not share with you um, because you haven't earned that. And so it more so comes from that sense. But my friends that are like family, they going to get these tears. <laughs> yeah. They going to get this frustration. They going to get this anger. You know, they're going to get all of that. Um, so it's more so of that balance of like, not everybody can get everything. I think some of it also has to do with, um, the career that I've chosen where it's not, it's not, I won't say it's not ideal, but I'm not, I'm not there for me. (laughs) This is like, I'm not meant to be as an HR professional. I'm not there to bear my feelings. Like I'm here to support you as an employee of this organization to help to help the organization move forward. So if you got some issues, if you are disgruntled, yep, you come talk to me about that. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily really deem it professional for me to have those types of conversations with you as an employee. Be like, yep, I don't like this either. Or this is, you know, this is pissing me off. Or I'm in yeah. your office crying today. Um, so I think that there are a couple factors that play into who I am and how I operate and why I operate like that and why I can identify with some of those things. Um, and I think some of it also goes back to childhood and, and what I witnessed. Like, um, what's what's one that stood out to me? Uh, maybe not necessarily the relying of their own self-soothing, but just the idea of relying on yourself. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't go to anybody else for this. Like, I'm going to have to figure it out on my own. Again, I don't think anybody has ever said that. But I, that's what I witnessed where my mother made shit happen on her own. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. she didn't necessarily always go to somebody. Now, she had a village, don't get me wrong. But then comes that idea of the strong black woman. Like, right. you got to figure this out. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to raise four kids. All of that. So I think it does play a role in how you are soothing yourself, you might not necessarily be able to articulate that kind of going back to definitions again. But when you feel like you have to do it all yourself, that includes managing your feelings and emotions. And instead of managing them, how do we get to a point of addressing them um, and working through them and not feeling like we just have to put them to the side. But I feel like that has been our experience for centuries. Like we don't have time for emotion. We got to get out of slavery. We don't have time for emotion. We have the civil yeah. rights movement. Like, right. we don't have time for emotion. We got four kids to raise. I don't have time. Right. I don't have time to sit in my room and cry. Yeah. You know, that that's something that, that's funny. You, you literally just shifted to that. I just made a note of that. And that self-reliance piece, that speaks a lot to me, too. And like I said, it happened a little bit later later in life. I felt like I was able to rely on my parents for the majority of my upbringing. I had a pretty stable upbringing with my mother and my father. But I think that shifted, especially when I decided to go to college. And I had to shift to survival and really rely on myself because I was a first-generation student. None of Nobody else in my family, my immediate family, had went to college mm-hmm. or graduated from college. And so I felt as though I didn't have, you know, somebody to rely on because they didn't know what the hell I was going through. They exactly. didn't know what a first office was. They didn't know what a registrar. They didn't know. You know what I mean? They had no idea what I was going through. And then on top of that, I really think that it really – um, heightened after that, especially my sophomore year when my father passed. Mm-hmm. And so I think that 
having to survive like, hey, well, now I only have one parent, so I really can't ask you for this. I really can't go here for that. And I really have to get my shit together because when I leave here, I'm not leaving here with what I thought I was leaving here with. You know, some people can go back home and they're able to, you know, explore different career facets or take time to save money or even just take some time off just from being in school for four years. Like I just, for me, I didn't feel like I had, I had that opportunity. And so I really just had to shift from, I just had to shift to survive. Yeah. And I think that that was really, really difficult for me. And I think it was, I think it was until recently I was having this conversation with one of our friends and um, I was just mentioning to them like, man, it's so, it's so crazy when you have to shift from surviving to thriving. I've been surviving all of this time and now that I'm in a place where I don't I can, necessarily yes. have, I don't necessarily have to survive, I can thrive off of the things that I've built, that I've built over these years, all these sacrifices. They're coming. I'm seeing the fruits of them now. And so I have to shift my mindset from survival. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's imperative. But I think the confusing thing for me too was because I was self-reliant um, all of these years from college, maybe until this year or last year, um, where I had to make that that mental shift was, how do I separate that emotional availability from those life circumstances and then in my romantic relationships? Mm. For me, that can get very convoluted because no matter where, I'm just surviving. I don't care if I'm in a relationship. I don't care if I'm not in a relationship. I don't it's care where I'm at. It's always survival mode. It's always survival. It's always, I'm going to get it how I get it and I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. And so that that was just my mindset. So now I'm really thinking about, girl, where do all these emotions go? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where are your feelings at? Like, what what happened? And where, where along this journey did you lose that? And so I think that that is currently where I am. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely under understand that. And I do think not everybody deserves to see every side of you. But I'm also conflicted with that, too, because we all have emotions. And so at what point do we not hide our emotions when they're just a human experience? Mm-hmm. For all of us. I think I think because I think because of the connotation that comes with emotion, like people think of emotion as crying as weak like I don't necessarily mean that because I believe I show my emotions in certain spaces my emotions show up differently in certain spaces so like if I'm in I'm a part of our leadership team our senior team at my job if I'm in one of those meetings I'm not crying Stop it. I'm not crying, but I am, and back to Amanda Seals' point, I am passionate, and that is emotion. And so I am expressing emotion just in a different way in that room. So it's not that I'm I'm silencing myself um, and not sharing that part because you're going to get all of this that's necessary for this workspace. Will you necessarily get and and it's funny because it actually happened. Um, we do these things now at uh, all staff meetings where we'll spend, excuse me, like the first ten minutes interviewing another staff member. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so we'll ask about the work, and the CEO will interview us. And so I went a couple months ago, and bitch, don't you know somebody asked me by one eleven, and well. Wow. Because we, they asked me about the business, and they were like, oh, right. how'd you come up with the name? 
all of that. And they were like, oh, well, what does the date mean? Like, now we need to know. And I was like, mm, yeah, I'm a pause. And I got, yeah. and I got a little quote unquote emotional, meaning I got a little choked up and that's not something that I would normally do. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's something that is reserved for my safe spaces, my family, my friends. But in terms of showing emotion about work, you're going to get that. I'm not going to yeah. not, you know what I mean? I'm, I don't mean I'm not going to be vulnerable in that sense, because to me, like I said, that's still emotion. Right. It just right. shows it's, up in a different true. way. You're just, you just won't get my personal emotion about my personal life. Yeah. Um, whereas if I go to my friends and family, I can, I can share some of that with you. I can share that with you, but I can also share like my work experiences with you. Right. To right. a certain degree. You know, it's funny us having this conversation because I'm just thinking about if you were a white woman who decided to get choked up and it would have been totally acceptable for you to drop tears or just to bring all of your emotions to where you are. And just as a black person, as a black woman, I can only speak for that experience. Our emotions aren't welcome everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say it it wasn't like... <laughs> no, Siri, I cannot repeat it. You oh my goodness. Because she thought, she thought I was talking to a white woman. There you go. Now see, see. And it wasn't that um, in that moment, I did feel like it was well received because nobody in that space told me that I couldn't. Um, it's just not something that we are prone to do. And I don't think, and I think, again, it's a little different because I typically don't show any type of emotion at work, you know, or, or especially that type of emotion. If anything, it made me more real for them. <laughs> So they got to, you know what I mean? They got to see a different side. Like, oh, Courtney isn't always this strict, structured, yeah, structured person. Um, You know, and I don't think anybody has treated me differently, but you're absolutely right. Like, that's the type of mind frame that we go into those spaces with where it's just like, I don't have that privilege to maneuver in that space and be, quote unquote, emotional. Yeah. But if a white person were to do it. It, would, it wouldn't even be a second thought. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be at all. But the, it's so interesting that we even have to have the conversation where we can have our emotions, where we can't have our emotions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. There are, um, like you said, there your emotions show up differently where you are. For me, it's always those blocks. So where do you think you have emotional blocks? Where do you think, outside of work, like where are you, where you aren't reluctant to go into your emotions or do you have any emotional roadblocks? Um, I think they used to show up uh, in relationships. I think I have gotten better again from the experiences that I've had. Um, and you know, this is where I, I feel like I, even though this was years ago now, I feel like I remember having this conversation with you where I was going through a moment in a relationship and I was just like, you know, I know and I acknowledge that I'm a runner and I'm a runner because I had this emotional block. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really trying to make an effort not to run and make this work. Um, yeah. I would really say since that relationship, um, that's where I've been more cognizant about that. But I know that that's um, part of the reason why I was a runner, like that emotional block, um, being scared of commitment. And especially at at a younger age, like folks were doing these like commitment things in their twenties, 
and in college. And I was just like, I am not ready for that. So like we can have fun and not in the sense of like having fun, like sleeping around, but like, yeah, we can kick it. We can be in a relationship or we can date or whatever. But like the moment it started to get really real. Yeah. I would be like, mm, I'm an exit stage in that. <laughs> I think I'm going to just go ahead and just stop. Mm-hmm. And again, it wouldn't be off of just no reason at all. Like I found things that, you know, I had instincts about that just did not sit right with me, but it gave me the reason mm-hmm. that I needed to exit stage left. Yeah. Um, whereas now I am, um, so much more in tune with myself and those emotions. And I also know what I want where now I am at a point where I want a relationship and I do want commitment and I want, you know, that long lasting partnership. So I knew that there were certain things that I was going to have to do for myself in order to get that. Like, I can't say I want all of these things, but not be (laughs) willing to let and remove some of these emotional blocks. Y'all, I'm not laughing because this is a funny topic. I'm laughing because I'm looking at Kiana as she struggles a little bit. I ran out. I needed some water. Y'all I feel a lot you. of wine going on over here. I'm getting mm-hmm, warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she about to start sweating. You, listen, look. Little bees, little bees. But so, no, that's... No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, that's good that you are cognizant of of that and knowing exactly where you want to go, like having emotional goals. Cause I think you can have emotional goals yeah. too and knowing exactly what, what your hurdles are and what you need to do to get to that end goal. Mm-hmm. One I thing I will say, um, that's important to me and I try to do a better job of, um, in my family, we kind of joke about it or whatever, but you know, just doing better at like literally saying, I love you and not like, love you. Yeah. But I love you, you know, to the people that you care about, because um, as we get older and as life is happening, it's like a lot of life happened for me in 2019. See, bitch might get emotional. Um, (laughs) A lot lot of life happened for me in 2019. So we're at that point where it's just like tomorrow ain't promised. It's not. And if you leave here today, like, I want you to know that I love you. Like, and so you have to be willing to. Like, let some of that go. Let some of that pride go. Um, Let some of that control go, because there's some of that, too, at least for me. Um, And let your guard down so that... Because sometimes when you do that, you're creating a space for somebody else to feel safe as well, and they will feel more comfortable in sharing that space with you. You know, that's a good point. I've been thinking about that a lot recently, too, because I'm here in London, and when I got here... um, I actually had to miss one of my friend's funerals while mm. in Cleveland, back in Cleveland. And I was just like, you know, it's, it's, it's over for those days where I'm just like, I'm not taking, I'm not snapping pictures with all of my brothers and doing this and showing this and showing that because a lot of those moments are really sacred to me. And I really pride myself on having those moments to myself. And granted, they still can be to myself. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to publicize them. You don't have to mm-hmm. post everything, but I don't, I just don't take advantage of those times where I do have them. And so I really was like, I have to do a better job. I let them yeah. know I love them and I care about them. And that, um, to capture those moments, because, um, like I said, that emotional dissociation that we have, even being here in, in London, you know, the, the morning of the service, like I was in my office, like I was, I was, I bet. Down, yeah. and it was just like, 
cleared up. Yeah. We here to work. You know? Wipe, yeah. wipe those tears. We, yeah. got, we got shit to do. Let's yeah. go. And so it's just that easy manipulation. But those are people I love. And I don't want to have to dismiss those. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is cool that you said that. Look at me. I know it's okay. It's all right. And I mean, that's the point. This is, we are safe spaces for each other. And so we can, we can do that. And I think that's important. That's why this topic is important. Like we cannot take those things for granted, but also acknowledging that love can show up in various ways too. There are people that I have created healthy, healthy boundaries for but I still pray for at night. Right. Like when I'm journaling, when I'm going to like say my final closing prayers, like, you know, Lord, I want to pray for this tonight. Lord, I, sometimes that person is in that list still yep. because it just has to show up in a different way. And if it nothing is. else, I know you covered by, by my prayers alone. You know what I mean? Yep. Because it, it's okay to, it's okay to walk away from something and still love and care about somebody and pray for them. Um, because sometimes you, you're not always going to have that option to say, no, you're not. Um, I love you. I care about you. Um, because you have to remain healthy for yourself. But that's also a part of emotion and understanding your emotions and where you're at with that. Because that's also when I knew like I was good. Like, yeah. I'm not like still tight in my chest about any wrongdoings. Um, to some degree, you know, in some right, ways, right, like right. you're still working on stuff. But when I know you can still be in my prayers at night, mm-hmm. when I'm sending, like, and I'm not talking like, oh, God, cover such and such. I'm like, no, God, I want you to bring love into their life. I want you to bring yeah. peace into their life. Whatever struggles that they're dealing with, whatever demons that they have, I need you to re- remove them all. Let them know that they are willing or that they're, you know, that they're deserving and capable of, lo- of loving and being loved. Like, yeah. I be going into detail. And that, to me, that's love. When you pray for me, when I'm in yeah. your prayers, yeah. and you can create a safe space for me to tell that truth with you, that's love. And that's all that's I need true. to know. That is very true. I wanted to revisit uh, the conversation of roadblocks because I wanted to share a roadblock that I, I, currently, I am currently experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I think that roadblock happens to me when um, my past is triggered, when I have to bring up my past. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do in order to overcome this roadblock is to revisit my past and to create a clear narrative in terms yep. of what happened. Because yep. I think that sometimes... You've been going back to your bestie, girl. Bro, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's to create a narrative because I think that it's not so much that my past that I'm tripped out on. It's so much that I, I have I still haven't made sense of what happened. And so I have mm. to go and make sense of that story in order to tell it to somebody else, in order for them to know where this roadblock is coming from and in order for them to in order for them to meet me halfway and where I feel as though I am struggling in this roadblock because that's what your partner is supposed to do or should should be able to do if they have the capacity to and if they mm-hmm. decide to, depending on what you one of your partnerships but for me it's just going back and creating that narrative of what actually happened and the fact in in a way that I can tell my story and tell my story um confidently because I think so many times you don't go into those emotional stories because you don't know what the hell happened you don't know what the hell happened to you you don't know yeah, you like know, where did this go this way afterwards. I'm sorry 
I was I was like, yeah, like where did the you know, like when did it go this way? Like how did we get right. here? Right, right. And a lot of that work is really hard because you don't want to acknowledge your your character in that story. We all play a role. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people that, you know, everybody is we all play the victim <laughs> and we all play the perpetrator and you are the victim and the perpetrator in somebody's story. And yep. so you have to make sense of that because God uses us all, every part of us to either be good or bad, to bring out whatever it is in that next person. And so you have to really understand what your role is in that narrative in order to deliver it to that person who's trying to connect emotionally with mm-hmm. you. So you have to make sense of that. A lot of times you don't know who you were. Yeah. That was just something that I wanted to share about that. No, I think I think that's spot on. I mean, you heard me snap my fingers, so um, I'm I'm not gonna add anything else to that. That was like right on point. Yeah, right on point. I did want to talk about the disassociation of emotions between parents too, but child, that would take forever. That would take forever. That's a whole other generation. We're gonna have to bring somebody here. Right, right. Somebody. That is just, it's a, it's a different level. They went through something totally different than our experiences that even made it safe for them to even talk about emotions or trauma. It's, it's just so much that I'm hearing a lot of, um, you know, our parents' generation talk about that they've been living with for like 60 years, 60 years of pain and turmoil and things like that. And so just to know that that's affected previous generations, I just want to give our generation a kudos because now we're just like therapy, feelings everything we're, we're trying to at least acknowledge it and work through it but i hope that we can reach back and start to help our older generations deal with some of the things that you know or give them the tools so they can deal with what they've gone through you know 60 years ago um i also would like to give kudos to the older generation too because while we call it disassociation with emotion they may mm-hmm. call it protection yep um and i firmly believe now, have we seen the consequences of that? Absolutely. Um, but I, I do firmly believe in, and maybe it's because I've witnessed it, um, that it was all done in the name of protection um, so that we would not have to endure or face or be aware of certain things that were going on. And going back to that idea of, you know, thinking that you had to do it all on your own and not in the sense of like literally by yourself. Like, like I said, I even think of my mother where I know that she had a tribe that she was, you know, talking to, like, I call it the auntie tribe. Like, I know I was, I know it wasn't like literally her by herself and she will be the first one to tell you that. And I also believe that that's why she's the woman that she is and the way and the reason why she gives in the way that she does, um, but again, we call it disassociation and they and I really think that they see it as protection. Like yes. I don't want you to have to go through what I went through, not knowing the consequences that we were going yeah. to endure because of that. Um, so I think it's kudos to be had on both ends because we're trying to back bounce back from all of that. Yeah. Um, and bounce back from things that we didn't even know our ancestors had to deal with, um, yeah. our parents, our grandparents had to deal with. Um, but I gotta shout them out because they dealt with it in the best in the best way that they knew how. Um, And they did such a good job because I I love that you brought that up because the auntie tribe is so real. And when I say that, like my mother's best friends are truly my aunts, Mm -hmm. even to the point that um I think my cousin was talking to me about one of her best friends. Um, 
one of her best friends, she, my cousin moved away. One of her best friends is still in Cleveland. And my auntie went to um, a Thanksgiving dinner from down in her old neighborhood down the way in Cleveland. And it was so funny because her best friend, her mom, ended up growing up with my aunt. Mm-hmm. So the kids were friends. Yeah. And then when I think about, you know, after my time is done here in London, I'm going to France and I'm going to go see my god brother. That's where one of my mother's best friends right. was. Right. And it's just so cool how those relationships just flourish and they trickle down to their kids. Like, I can't imagine what they was doing in Cleveland. Like, my mother, I come from a really big family, and my aunts and uncles and they friends, they was running shit back in the day. And then to see their kids go out of the country and go kick it in Paris, like, right. I could have never imagined that. Like they say, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. Yes, never imagined that. And I'm just like, yo, shout out to my mom having solid ones. Right, and all staying together, and we all just continuing what they built because mm-hmm. it's powerful and it, it, and it is. is so dope. That's where all the play cousins come from. Listen, <laughs> that ain't play cousins, the real cousins. I know, <laughs> I know. And I got some cousins, I got a cousin here hit us up like a few months ago. He was like, Man, I love you. I know we not, you know, real family. You know, I love y'all more than I love some of my blood cousins or whatever. And I was like, The fuck, we are real family. I wish somebody I wish somebody would uh tell me otherwise. I go to jail for y'all. Until I find out your other cousin Q who really is blood related. We ain't cousins. We ain't cousins, dog. We ain't cousins, cousins. Be playing. Be playing. Kinda. Oh. Kinda. That's 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 where your tears came from. Right here. They right in that bottle. Meanwhile, I can't get through a bottle of ginger ale. You pass that on to Give it to me. It still got a little punch. Thank you. Oh, wait a minute. I will say, I'll keep it going. So my um my mom's best friend, her son is in Paris. He plays basketball in Paris. Okay. So he is following after his uncle's footsteps. He also played overseas and in the states. And so I'll get a chance to go hang out with him and reconnect. And it's so funny because. You know, growing up, um, I also have a god sister, and I always wanted a little sister until my little sister came. She's about seven years younger than me, so my god sister was like three years younger than me, so she was there first. And I didn't realize how close me and my god brother were in age until we were at OU, and we were leaving um, at the summit. I think it was the Alpha's house, and he was there, and I was like, "Yo, what, what you what you doing here? Why, why are you why are you on my campus?" He was like, "I'm a, I'm an Alpha at Miami." I'm trying to remember who so, this is because I know that story. This I think me. you were gone by the time he got there. I know, but, but I'm I, just like who the because I've heard that story before, like how you ran into him. Girl, I was completely shocked. That's completely funny, shocked. and I was offended that his mama made him and let him go to Miami. Yeah, like why would you let that happen? Girl, the sweat. It's okay. Hot. It's okay. We gonna go ahead and um, wrap this up so Kiana get herself together. Um, soon here shortly. I'm not even sure how we got on that. I was filling up some cake for you, love. Okay, shout out to the tribe. All right, well, we're gonna take a <laughs> quick break and come back and hit y'all with these tips. Yes, all right, and we are back <laughs> and ready to share our tips, our brunch spots, um, 
Let me first say thank you for such a good episode. I feel like this is going to go into one of my favorites. Um, Just one of our real and honest conversations. And especially because it wasn't, um, I think often it felt like one of the, one of the ones that felt most like, like we're on the phone, how we normally are. And that is, that is how this podcast got started with the idea of like, we just going to share with the world, the conversations that we have as friends. Um, and so y'all, y'all got what, what we always give to each other over the phone. Sometimes they're tears. Um, sometimes it's alcohol. Sometimes it's alcohol. <laughs> a lot of times it's alcohol. Sometimes it's other things. Um, and then <laughs> you know, and it's a lot of laughter. It's you know, it's all of those things. So I'm gonna shout out us for giving y'all all of the good, all of the good shit today on this episode. It was authentic. I appreciate that. It was a good time. We still gonna have to wrap up after this, though. I got some stuff to do. Okay. Yes. I'm ready. Okay, y'all. Kiana about to give y'all her tips because I'm ready for some tea. (laughs) All right, guys. So my first tip is going to go to Spike Lee. Spike Lee actually is the first black president of the Cannes Film Festival. Mm. Um, So shout out to Spike. I think this is long overdue. Mm -hmm. Um, We love Spike just because he has had such a prominent role in the film industry for blacks and represented us for a great deal of time now. He still has done um, a pretty decent job at that. I know there's some controversial things going on right now with Spike Lee. I just thought about that with him and Oprah, but I think it's some controversial things for Oprah too. So listen, none of us are perfect. Right. Um, what he represents in terms of film and what he's done for us, um, I do appreciate that. I'm really trying to get away from cancel culture. Yep. And... Um, you know, accept people and where they are and know that we all we all have things that we have to work through, um, including Oprah, too, as much as I love Oprah. So none of us are perfect, but I just want to shout him out because that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, our second tip is actually going to go to a fellow Bobcat. His name is John Dean. We actually shared some time together when I was in graduate school there. And John was recently um, on Forbes for redefining streetwear in LA. His clothing line is called Renowned LA. Um, and I'm just so proud of him. We didn't spend a lot of time together, but whenever I see a fellow Bobcat making moves and really establishing his name, his brand, and really representing what the true essence of, um, you know, just black ingenuity, especially mm-hmm. from Ohio or Northeast Ohio yeah. or any place that, you know, I've personally touched, I just want to give him a shout-out. Forbes gave him a shout-out, but I just want to send him some Bobcat love because I just think that is awesome. Courtney, I'll forward you the article and his page. He is making waves out in L.A., and I just think that is so awesome. So, kudos to you. I think I saw somebody post about that. Really? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was making a circuit around um, Instagram. So, I just want to give both of those gentlemen a 60% tip, very proud, um, and just keep going out and representing us and just redefining, um, you know, the, the gifts and talents that we do have and that we possess. You know, a lot of us do similar things, but we all do them very differently. And so I just wanted to shout them out. Awesome. So I'm going to stay on uh, some of that trend. Um, for me, I can't remember if I've shared this on the show before, but Um, I feel like there is a lot going around in terms of like black girl magic, um, 
and we just see black women being uplifted in some ways. I don't mm-hmm. think we are fully there. Um, black women and black girls still need to be protected. Um, so mm-hmm. let me just say that. But I do feel like um, black men do not often get the acknowledgement that they deserve. Um and that they are not always seen in the way that they need to be and that they should be. Um, Because we know as much as anybody else, there are black men out here that are doing it. And they are often found in the same positions that we are. Um, They may be going to work, like they're going to work in, in those spaces, the same spaces that we are working with white people that are dismissive to them. Um, facing microaggressions and still have to go home and provide to families. And so I just want to throw out there that I acknowledge and value the black man, the one that's sitting in the car before you walking into the house. And sometimes you got to shed a few tears and suck that shit up before you go in the house and provide for your family again or for yourself. It doesn't matter. Um, So I am, I really want to do some things this year where I'm being intentional about highlighting black men um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like black women are getting all of this rave, um, again, still with not being fully protected. But there's some black men out here that are just really underrated. And I think we need to give, them their, give them their flowers, too. With that being said, my tip uh, this week is actually going to go to Diddy. Um, at the time of recording, it is a Grammy weekend. And he was just honored at the pre at Clive Davis's pre-Grammy uh, gala last night. And I so appreciated his words that he shared and really calling people out and calling, um, what's, what's the music, uh, Grammy, calling that okay. industry out and just saying, like, okay. we, have, we have never, the Black culture really has never been acknowledged still to this day. Yeah. Hip-hop has not never give, been given the respect that it deserves. Um, he yes. was like, and so I'm going to accept this icon award on behalf of the princes, the Michael Jacksons, the Beyonce's, um, Nas, you know, and he, you know, he was calling out their specific albums essentially in which they should have won Grammys for and did yeah, not. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he, he called them on their stuff and I appreciated seeing all of the black men and people in that room that were standing for him as he was giving this speech and it was also so apparent of the people that were not standing either. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, Diddy, Diddy don't give it to you. Diddy don't sugarcoat shit. Okay. No, so doesn't. he was up there dropping F bombs and telling you what it was. He was like, y'all got 365 days to get this right. Let's go. It, it's time to make these moves and, and y'all going to take this culture and we will be acknowledged essentially. So they take the culture anyway, because you take it anyway. Exactly. So, um, I really appreciated him using that moment that was meant to be about him and he yeah. made it about the culture, um, his culture, as he called it, our culture. And I will even take it a step further and saying that this is a part of the American culture. Yes, and so y'all gonna, y'all gonna have to get this and y'all gonna have to get some act right too. Um, and, and he, you know, he acknowledged like, this isn't just in the music industry. This is across the board. Like we see this yeah. in, you know, in film as well, like. Y'all gonna have to get it together. So I I commend him for continuously using his platform um, and not backing down. Like he making moves. He is making yes, moves. Is. Um, so shout out to Diddy for that. Is that your only tip? That's my only tip. I want to piggyback off of that because it's so funny you just mentioned that. I went to a restaurant uh, to pick up takeaway 
takeout, which is what they call takeaway mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. in London. And um, they were playing Mary J. Blige. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to the waitress that um, I was like, you know, everywhere I go, I don't hear your your music. I don't hear local music. I only hear American music. Mm-hmm. And she was like, because you guys do R&B so well. Like, we just, we, we, you should, like, you know, our R&B singers mimic, you know, yeah, your R&B. Yeah, what happens here. Yeah. That they even have to sing in an American accent. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's very true. And before I left, it's so funny you said that, like, it's funny how God works. But it's funny when you, when I left, I said, you want to know what's even funnier about that? Me coming here and hearing Mary J. Blige, we don't play her often enough in the States. So I'm mm-hmm. just surprised that I hear more of my music here mm-hmm. than I do mm-hmm. in the States. Because mm-hmm. if I want to hear Mary J. Blige, I got to go to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I got to go to D.C. I got to go to prominent black places. And the fact that our music really sets the tone for all of the other music in the United States. American music is African-American music. We we created that music. We mm-hmm. created that sound from country music to gospel music to every music that we have. It's so imperative that we know that. So I think that's really cool. I didn't hear Diddy's speech yet, um, but I think that's phenomenal because... I, I even just mentioned it today. It's yeah. just that that is really funny that that just literally just happened hours ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As we're ending, I'm curious to know before we give um the brunch vibes. Uh, what time mm-hmm. is it there? What time are we? It's oh, I'm drunk at five thirty-five. Oh, okay. It's happy hour. It's happy hour. It's always <laughs> five o'clock somewhere. Okay, I don't have any brunch tips this week. I did brunch, but I went back to one of my faves, one of my go-tos, and that was brunch. Um, so shout out to them. But I am excited because the friend that I went with, we, uh, we were like exchanging all of these brunch spots that we had not been to here in Columbus. Yes. So I'm excited. We got some new places to check out. So stay tuned for that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Kiana because I'm sure she got something in London. We does that mean I should come to Columbus and go too? <laughs> yeah, girl, come on up. <laughs> um, well, technically, you guys know that brunch is breakfast and lunch, hence brunch. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, I went out to this really cool place in London. So if you're on the lunch side of things, you should definitely t- check it out. I don't know if they have a brunch menu per se, but this works. Um, no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter what you have a taste for. But I went to this place yesterday that had two of my absolute favorite things, and it's called Burger and Lobster. You can literally order burgers or lobster or get both at the mm-hmm. combination. And so they brought me out this beautiful one and a half pound grilled lobster chow. Yeah. You took pictures? And, yeah, it's on my okay. Instagram. Okay. Go on my Instagram. Or I can just, I, I saved this. So I'll repost it on the brunch page too. But um, definitely went out and got some lobster last night with some chips. AKA fries um, and some wine. So mm. if you are in London, check out Burger and Lobster. That grilled lobster is going to make you so happy. Make <laughs> you so happy. I'm telling you, when I walked out of that restaurant, I was smiling from here. Yes, come on, satisfaction. Yeah, okay. So I wasn't mad at all. If they could have gave me two lobsters, that would have been even more satisfying. Mm-hmm. But if you are in London, definitely check it out. It is in the Soho area, and I'm sure they may have more locations in other areas, but that's the area that I visited. So check it out, guys. All right. Well, um, go ahead and give them the social media, and we're going to get out of here. There you go. So if you're on Instagram, make sure you're following us at Bitches 
underscore, double underscore, love, double underscore, brunch. We also have a Facebook page called Bitches Love Brunch. If you are listening to us, please, please, please go subscribe and go comment, go leave a review on your um, all of your streaming platforms. That is Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, um, all of them. Bye, y'all. Bye.